In this episode of The Different Podcast, Steve Chalk and I explore how all behaviour is communication. We dive into the news trying to make sense of what is happening now by seeing how trauma impacts individuals and whole people groups. We recognise how trauma that we don't deal with deals with us and we try to work out how we can surface trauma talking and listening to the pain on both sides of the table and so bring peace into the world all with a holy imagination this was part one of an important conversation it's a conversation we all need to keep having we hope and pray you find it helpful So, Steve, a fortnight ago, we talked and we had quite a deep conversation, maybe deeper than we've had before on the podcast, you and I. And we talked about some of the vucca. <laughs> we used that word, that phrase, didn't we? I remember vucca. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we began to talk about it in, the, in that podcast. And we said that there was more to talk about. Um, so I just wanted to kind of begin our conversation today with reference to a film that mm. I've just seen recently called The Old Oak. You, you haven't seen it yet, have you? No, 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 no. I've not. Oh, you, you must go and see it. And it's uh, Ken Loach's most recent film. Um, and it's an incredible, it's an incredible film. Why um, is it called The Old Oak? So there's, it's based around a pub called The Old Oak oh. in a mining village, old mining village. Mine's been closed down. And it's a community that's on its knees and has experienced everything you'd expect from the industry being shut down. There's poverty and desperation. But the pub is a real focal point for the community, for those that can afford to go. And the landlord of the pub is an unwitting community leader. And uh, a group of Syrian refugees appear. They're brought to the village. Uh, they're going to live there. And it's about, it's, it's about racism and poverty and all of the things you'd expect. But it's got this beautiful thing that's going on in the middle of it, which is this realisation of our shared humanity. And it's based, as I say, about around this guy who's the a landlord and this key Syrian refugee, this woman, and this fascination around photography. And there's this moment where they look at this photo and on the photo it says the community that eats together sticks together. So there's this realisation of their shared humanity. And there's, the, there's a tragedy at the end, but there's an even, even deeper realisation of their sense of belonging to one another at the end. So the film begins with this, we are worlds apart from one another. And then at the very end of the film, they couldn't be closer. They are one community. It's so powerful. And then the other day I was looking at the social... So that's, that's on at the cinema? That's on at the cinema. Yeah. Totally recommend The Old Oak. The Old Oak. And then the other thing was I was looking at uh, the social media feed of one of our Oasis schools, Oasis Media City, and I, I saw they were celebrating something that had happened just uh, before the half-term holiday, and they'd had a culture day. Mm. So at this, uh, one of our schools, really diverse, yeah. beautifully, beautifully diverse. And everyone had come into school dressed in their cultural 
attire and they had flags and the teachers were all dressed up, the students were all dressed up and they'd made this little film and they'd put it on social media and they'd posted pictures and it was fantastic. It was Mm. just glorious and the children, the young people were loving it. You could see they were just loving Mm. seeing one another and celebrating, realising we're different but we're one. Yeah. So and it was it was just this beautiful thing. And I just I'm so conscious of how profoundly difficult things are with you know what we were talking about with Israel and Hamas, Israel Palestine um and yet there's this there's this truth underneath everything that we belong to each other. We are one human race, aren't we? Yeah. We there's only one race on earth the human race yeah <laughs> we're either going to win together or lose mm. because we don't recognize that so how do we how how do we do more of that how do we win more well that uh, uh, what you say reminds me of this story that i quite often tell at a wedding when i'm doing, doing a, a wedding, wedding. <laughs> doing a wedding and do uh, a lot of weddings i do a lot of weddings <laughs> and um it's about uh, Californian redwood trees, which are one of the oldest species on Earth. They've been on Earth, Californian redwoods, yeah. for about 240 million years. No way. 240 million years. Yeah. The, the dinosaurs didn't die out until about 65 million years ago. Wow. That's when the, that's yeah. when the, uh, uh, the big meteor uh, asteroid hit Earth. Yeah. I, I always get asteroids and meteorites. <laughs> I love Whatever. It was a Those whopper, things that, wasn't it? that landed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when it hit Earth, it caused darkness night because of the dust that went up into the atmosphere for several years. It set up earthquakes and tsunamis that went on for months and months and months. Everything died, but the, the Californian redwood. redwoods survived it all. Incredible. Absolutely ex- extraordinary. And these trees, as you probably know, are massive. Yeah. You know, an adult redwood grows to well over 300 feet, 350 feet high. That's like twice the height of Nelson's column. That's mad. That is, yeah. yeah. That is a tall tree, <laughs> you know. And uh, they... they they will live individually for about 2,000 years. So they've survived ice ages and they've survived hurricanes and tornadoes and storms and floods and they've made their way through searing heat. So the thing is, how have they done this? How have they survived? Added to which, here's the, the astounding thing, astonishing thing, their roots, 350 feet tall, their root system is around six to a maximum of 12 feet deep, 350 wow. feet tall, weighing on average 500 tonnes each <laughs> and roots that are just six feet to 12 feet deep in the soil that can be awash with water or yeah, whatever yeah. it might be. So how have they survived? And they've survived because though their roots are very shallow, their roots are extraordinarily wide. They reach out a uh, hundred feet on both sides and they're intertwined. So that when you look at a redwood forest, you're actually looking at lots of different individual trees that are totally yeah. interrelated and connected and dependent on one another. Wow. They don't fall because they're locked together. It's their togetherness 
their interconnectedness, their interdependency that makes them strong. And it strikes me that what we've done as a human race is abandon that, but to stand strong... To move forward, we need to recognise we are one race, back to where we we stand together. Uh, A a poet, because of my half-Indian-ness, a poet, writer, philosopher, etc., extraordinaire, polymath, is someone uh, uh, called Tagore. I don't know if you've heard of him. He lived uh, the best part of 100 years ago. Um, won a Nobel Peace Prize, visited this country, all sorts of things, yeah. Uh, uh, Rabindranath Tagore, Rabindranath Tagore. And Tagore's writings are, uh, now I've mentioned his name to you, honestly, you're looking up. He talked about when he came from India to here, um, he became celebrated here, but he saw what he called the individualism of the uh, West. Right. And he talked about the fact that individualism alienates us. This is what he said. It disconnects us, yeah. our individualism. And then he said, so in our very desire to be individualistic and make our mark, we hollow ourselves out. Yeah. And we limit ourselves. And then he said, togetherness and dependency and interconnectedness isn't the enemy of individualism. It creates the opportunity yeah. for the individual to shine. Yeah. It creates the opportunity. But when we're all competitive, we're all reduced, we're all hollowed out, and we all struggle. So, so we should always be asking, who am I, who am I connected to? Who am I connected to? Yeah. Who am I reliant upon? Yeah. Because that's what makes us shine. Yeah. But our desire to be our own person limits us in the end. And you can see how that's so true, isn't it? It yeah. really works against us. And he said, the funny thing is when you're all trying to be individual, you all end up in total conformity because you're all trying to outbid one another at being one another rather than being set free by the others the others in your group to, to be yourself. And as I've listened to, to Gore's teaching and understand yeah. it, it always reminds me of that quote, I can never find out who said it first, <laughs> but lots of, it's claimed by lots of people. A person wrapped up in themselves makes a very small parcel. Mm. And I always think to myself, if only I can learn that. Yeah. If only we can learn it as Oasis, as teams within Oasis. If only we can learn it in towns and cities and our counties or as a nation, or as the United Kingdom. (laughs) If only we can learn that globally, it's our only way of surviving, let alone thriving. It's so important and intrinsic to who we are as people. It's that whole spiral dynamics thing, Steve, isn't it? Which is that that realisation of our belonging to one another. And so... Anything that stops us moving towards that, it feels like a grief. It feels yeah. like this doesn't feel right. Yeah. This, like we feel it, we feel it as communities, yeah. just as we feel yeah. it as individuals. Yeah. If there's yeah. separation, don't we? Mm. It's not. I've got a friend whose um, wife uh, died quite recently, 
And um, she used to joke with him because she knew she was dying that um, he'd soon be off and find another younger model. That's what she used to say. <laughs> and I spent quite a lot of time with him just recently and he was laughing about that. And then he said to me, he said, Steve, it's impossible. He said, because our lives were so interconnected and he talked to me in, you know, in real down-to-earth yeah. ways in which they were interconnected and both utterly reliant on one another. They'd been married for over half yeah. a century and they'd become intertwined, yeah. truly intertwined. Yeah. And then he showed me that what he'd done is he'd taken her wedding ring and his wedding ring and he'd had them both melted oh, down and made into a bigger one. wedding ring. Love it. Because he said that for him was a symbol of what had become. So he said, it's utterly impossible for me to contemplate. <laughs> he said, I'm struggling hard enough <laughs> yeah. as it is to reorientate yeah. to, to, yeah. to, to life without her. But I'm still leaning on her all the yeah. time. I know what she said. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Do this. <laughs> and so I'm listening to her wisdom. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is a that interconnectedness is an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think getting ourselves to the place of not just knowing that in our heads, mm. but acting on that. Uh, I was I was in a meeting the other day and uh, I was just working with a, a a team of staff and we were talking about inclusion actually. And um, this member of staff, she's called Dottie, and she just said to me that she realizes that being a cheerleader for inclusion is not the same thing as creating inclusion and I thought that was such a smart observation to make that it's very easy isn't it to to even believe that this stuff is the right way to be but actually the proof of it is in the the doing it's in the acting upon what we believe about peacemaking and inclusion and realizing that we are made for one another isn't it absolutely and we now know don't we that you know going back to my story about the redwoods being connected we talk about the need for connection uh in our own lives interpersonally but then you know the other thing that comes up all the time listening to it the other day someone talking about the our our physical health being connected to our mental health, yeah. being connected to our emotional health, being connected to our spiritual health. And I heard uh, someone much wiser say recent, recently, they're not connected at all. They mm. are one and the same thing. Yeah. They're one and the same thing. We either thrive or we don't thrive. We've got to give up this rather disconnected way of talking about being connected and understand that we're so connected, there can't be a gap between the two. And you think about the way in which that works out, even in this present global crisis that we are struggling with, um, with the Middle East, what's happened emotionally mm. in people's lives changes the way they are mentally or physically in, an, in a relationship or lack of it, the whole thing is connected. Yeah. We are connected. Yeah. So in our communities, right now in our communities, I mean, this is our work day in, day out, Steve, isn't it? But there are things that 
we in our communities, we must expend our energy on, aren't there? In realising that this is the truth, that we belong to one another. And that's why I think I was so impacted just seeing that film, The Old Oak, again, because it's it's like, yeah, 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 we know that that's, we know that that's what, what's true and we need to do the work that gets us there. And it's not an easy path. The path to creating belonging and community and inclusion and peace is not the easy route, but it is the right route. Yeah, and the necessary route. I probably said this before on one of our podcasts because I say it so often. I say it to myself, yeah. but I say it to everyone I meet, and it's, it's simply this. The only thing tougher than belonging to community is not belonging to community, being part That's of a community. A great, I don't think you've said that <laughs> right. before. It's, it's so true. It's not easy to be part of a community, but it's harder in the end if you're not part of a yeah. community. And the other thing I've learned, me and in my own journey, I'm not talking about anyone else, is, is the very moment you don't think you need community, that's the moment you most need yeah. community. It's like the person who feels least that they need to go back into the office after COVID is the person who most needs, needs to do that because, because to be with others humanises yeah. us and actually creates the support that we will need in the end. No man is an island, as John Don said, mm. but it's true of women as well. Mm. It's true of us all, <laughs> isn't it? None of us yeah. are an island. You know, we're all part of the continent, as, 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 as he put it in his wonderful poem. We're all part of that continent. So I need to belong to a community at the very moment I don't think I need to belong to community because when I do need others, they won't be there unless I've invested. Yeah. And as I invest, I always gain. The path to peace, the path to, path to inclusion, the path to community is a flipping hard one. It's an incredible struggle. Isn't it? It really is. And it's very easy. Over my years, I've found it's very easy to walk away from. It's very easy for me to say, I'm too tired. It's very easy for me to say, I can't make that extra bit of effort. Yeah. I, I, I'll leave it to someone else. It's very easy for me to say when I'm in a social gathering, I'll just stick in my corner. I won't cross the room. I won't begin that conversation. But my life lesson is that leads you nowhere. I've, I've observed that in you, Steve, over mm. the years, how you, how you make the move towards, towards people. And I, I've just... I'm just reflecting on our, you know, the previous episode of what it takes, therefore, of a person to make that first move and say, this has to stop. This has to change. We can't go on like mm. this. I think it takes courage. Again, as, as we were saying last time, the things that we encounter, or at least I encounter as an individual, I think apply at a macro level. I worked for the United Nations, as you know, mm. for eight years of my life as special advisor to them, Fancy. which, by the way, always sounds a lot flashier than it actually was. <laughs> it was. Yes, yeah, I know. So I was a special advisor to the UN, and one goes, ooh. Actually, it's just drudgery, <laughs> honestly. In and a lot of meetings. A lot of meetings and committees and committees and committees. It's just like belonging to the local <laughs> committee to organise yeah. the 
local Christmas fair. The same thing, honestly. <laughs> exactly the same <laughs> things play Fancy out. Fancy a headed yeah, paper. Yeah. A- anyway, I forgot what I was telling you that now. I said, you know, at whatever you level you encounter this, whether it's in your within your family, you know, uh, in your local community, uh, going next door to your neighbour, beginning a conversation, or whether it's at that level I've just been talking about, it's just as hard... It's just as awkward, but it's just as fulfilling to cross the bridge, to cross the divide, to go first. Every relationship needs someone to go first. And the number of things, honestly, that I can think of that have happened in my life because I overcame my fear, I overcame, uh, yeah, my shyness. I overcame the fact that I felt I'd got nothing to bring and I just took a chance on it, knowing that that's what really uh, matters and that's what really counts. Yeah. Oasis has grown. You know, we run schools, we run all sorts of things around around the country and it's churches. It's just doing that thing. But there's uh, a massive thing happening in that moment, Steve, which is the laying down of an agenda, isn't it? And And I think when we're talking about peacemaking you have to lay down your power you just have to say the ending has to be different because the ending we're heading towards right now is futile as we were saying last time it's just it's an endless cycle so yes you reach out but in the reaching out you have you've made a choice yeah which is i'm laying down whatever it is that i'm in this for Mm. I'm choosing for something to be different, which gets us back to that very brief mention we made last time about holy imagination, Mm. isn't it? And for me, I think the following of Jesus bit for me Mm. always invites me into that, that space of how could this be different? Yes, it is that imagination, isn't it? Yeah. And it's say, if I go for this, what could be? If I open up this relationship, if I try... And give myself to this, what could be? I might get rebuffed. I might be laughed at. I might be rejected. I did it this afternoon, actually. I I uh, wrote a, a little um, text to somebody I've not spoken to for a long time, not because I've fallen out with them, but it's someone who's really quite important. In, yeah. You know, I think they're a lot smarter than I am. Yeah. Do you know all the rest of it? And, uh, I thought, I'll just... I just text them because I think there's something that we might be able to do together. And even as I was pressing send <laughs> like, on the text, oh. I was thinking, they were, it's, a, it's a woman. She'll probably think, oh, no, <laughs> not him. <laughs> like, you know. And, and uh, so it's a dangerous thing to do and it's a hard thing to do. But I can imagine something happening. Actually, where we sat recording this is in um, in the building, which is secondary school. We're actually in a drama studio. We're in a drama studio, which we've <laughs> which chosen sounds... because of the great acoustics <laughs> in the drama studio. But this drama studio in a school in central London, Oasis Academy South Bank, next to Oasis Church Waterloo. Well, actually, they're all intertwined yes, in terms of the facilities the and yeah, the premises yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Well, the funny thing is, funny thing, well, the truth about uh, what this 
all here, is um, a long, long time ago, in, a, in about the year 2000, 2000. Well, I remember talking yeah, to you yeah, about yeah, it. Absolutely. I said, I'm, I'm, do you remember? I yeah. said, Jill, I'm going to go out at lunchtime. We had some offices elsewhere. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to hunt for a church which, which I, I could lead, yeah. you know, a church with no one in it because they're the only types that would <laughs> let me lead them. You know, people who got, you know, yeah. that just got no one else to lead. And remember, I used to go looking yeah. all the yeah. time. And then I found this church building here, which is called Christ Church in Hutton Chapel, which is yeah. in, in Waterloo. And, um, and then what happened was I had to go away and I was speaking at a big uh, conference, which is called Spring Harvest, yeah. you'll know, know about it. And it happens in more than one place. And for one week I was speaking at, in Skegness, which is one place they are. Yeah. And the next week I was speaking in Minehead, you know. And uh, anyway, in Skegness, or it, perhaps it was the other way yeah. around, I can't remember. But anyway, they got on the site where I was, there was an outbreak of norovirus, I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the team that I was part of said, Steve, you've got to go home yeah. because there's a 48-hour window when quarantine you might get window, this quarantine yeah. window. And I was actually leading the whole thing on the other yeah. side. I was the person who was supposed to be in charge of everything <laughs> happening somehow, responsible for everything happening. So they sent me away 48 hours early, do you see? And so they sent me home. And I thought, well, what can I do? You know, I, I, what can I do? I've got these 48 hours where I could get the norovirus and all or. the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I am going to write to that church, Christchurch and Upton Chapel, because I've heard that they, you know, the few people here and they didn't really have the leadership they needed. So I spent the time, the time I've been given, writing this yeah. letter. Yeah. And then the 48 hours passed and I was driving off to, yeah, it must have been to go to Skegness because I was yeah. driving through central London. Yeah, yeah heading and, north. Yeah, and I posted the letter that I'd written over these couple of days and really thought about it through the door. Oh, wow. And, yeah, 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 through yeah. the door here the front, yeah. and said, uh, here's my, my, my um, number, my mobile phone number. Get in touch with me if you choose. That was it. Yeah. And they got in touch. Yeah. And out of that, the church here grew. And out of that, the school, well, we had to put in a free school bid to get this and yeah. talk to Lambeth Council. And out of that grew this secondary school, which is an extraordinary thing. And, you know, so it's amazing. But each time you have to do the thing you think is probably just going to be laughed at and rejected. Yeah. It's amazing what sometimes grows out of it. But you've got to take the chance. You've got to cross the room. You've got to engage. Yeah. And when you engage, you turn a lot of things round. And so the way of peace mm. looks like utter stupidity. Yeah. In the first instance and the second maybe mm. and the third. Mm. But ultimately, mm. it makes complete sense. And in, in, a, in a way, well, we would argue this, wouldn't we? That crossing the room, posting the letter. Hmm. It's imagination. Has, yeah, it is imagination, but it also it's about creating a, a a piece that's embedded in a community, isn't it? That's 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 what we've imagination. Been to do. Yeah. So I came here to Christchurch and Upton Chapel, and there were very few people here, and all the buildings were empty, and they were shut every day except Sunday, yeah. and all the rest of it. And I began to tell that community. A different story, a different narrative 
to help them imagine along with me. And uh, they, you know, sometimes they were really mad with me and sometimes they loved me. Now, now, you know, all these years on, we're all, we love one another. We just... Uh, fantastic yeah, friends. Sadly, some of them have died along the way, and I've I've taken their funerals, yeah. but I've taken the marriages of their sons yeah, and daughters absolutely. and all the rest of it. It's been wonderful. But anyway, I what I did was when I first came, I artic- articulated to them a story, and I picked up their ideas because here we had this vast building and it was empty. So we I, we began talking together in the end once they'd accepted me. Yeah. They'd answered my letter and invited me in. <laughs> you know, or you slowly began talking about what the future could what be. Could and it that, be? What could it be? And what, that took some years. You know, what could they do? Because they didn't trust themselves. They didn't think this building could be anything other than empty. They didn't believe in themselves. Yeah. But slowly, through the ups and downs of developing relationships, we talked about what could be. And then we took all the ideas, or I took all the ideas, and I wrote them into a poem. And the poem was about imagination. And then I played that poem back to I wrote it during one summer holiday. Yeah. Um, but it was really their ideas just threaded together. Yeah. And I can read it to you. Read, read a bit because it's uh, quite long. Yeah, it's isn't long. It? So, but, so why didn't you read the first little, yeah. little bit? Well, I got it here. It just says, it, and I came back from holiday and read this to them. And it was, it says this, it was eight o'clock on Monday morning and I was standing by Lambeth North Station, which is the tube station across the road. And I saw a teenager leaping out of bed with joy, laughing with the freshness of the morning. Uh, gangs were, were a, a, a huge problem here and kids were alienated from one another. Um, and I saw elderly ladies skipping down Kennington Road. That's yeah. the road that goes past. And I saw children paddling in the River Thames. And I saw a football match in Kennington Park with where teams were mixed people from every people group, asylum seekers and taxi drivers, police uh, officers and prisoners, pensioners and politicians, people of every race and class playing together and laughing in the sun. And I saw a street party where people were eating and dancing because there was hope again. That's the first stanza and then it goes on. But the funny thing is, all of those things have happened. Yeah. I mean, absolutely every single one. And they will keep happening, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's extraordinary. Do you know, we've run street parties. Remember yeah. when we closed yeah, Lower yeah, Marsh and yeah, we, yeah. we we run all endless and had hundreds yeah. and of people, and hundreds and hundreds, some thousands of people through some Christmas dinner with our Christmas dinner producer. With Peter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Christmas amazing dinner. chefs. Those Christmas dinners are extraordinary. But... The community here has grown and teenagers have come in and we sit inside the secondary school that didn't yeah. exist, which has offered hope to so many young people that they deserve. They made it. I remember sitting with one young man on the day he opened his A-level results. Yeah. And um, I'd known him for a very long time because I've worked in the community for a long time. And uh, he collapsed in this chair. Huh. You know, as he because he got great A level results, and he collapsed in this chair, and I sat next to him. I put my arm around him, and he said, "What does this mean? Oh, bless him. What does this mean? Well, he's poor, and he's black." And I said, "What it means is this: 
you can go to any university yeah, in the absolutely. whole world you choose, Oxford or Cambridge or Harvard, they will jump yeah, at yeah. getting someone with your talent from uh, your ethnicity. The world is your oyster. That's what it means. And because I've known him so long, since he was a little kid, the truth is, in the first days that I knew him, because of some of the social context yeah. around him, I was really troubled for his survival. Yeah. Turned around as that dream yeah. that that small congregation believed in was fulfilled. So well, it's still being fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. And it, well, like yeah. I say, every day, every day part of something of that vision is being embedded, isn't it, into the local yeah. community. But everybody has to throw themselves in. You know, yeah. We mentioned Pete again, you see, <laughs> sitting there in his headphones. With his little on. producer outfit he, on. Yeah, he thr Pete throws himself, you do, Pete, you throw yourself <laughs> into everything. Well, that's the only reason we're making these podcasts. Exactly. Because of Pete, let alone the Christmas dinners and everything else. But Kids when church. you invest yeah. in community, it works. Yeah. And when you don't, it doesn't work for you or anyone else. So... We are called to build community. And what that does is it builds peace. It's the antithesis, isn't it? It's the complete opposite of everything that we're seeing at that Middle East. Like, the solution is to build community of diversity. Mm. And we throw ourselves into that. And, you know, there's that, there's that moment, isn't there, of Jesus, you know, he's dying on the cross and his mum's there and his, it's John, isn't it, who's, with, who's there. Mm. And Jesus points to his mother and says, this is your son. Hmm. And then he points to John and he says, John, this is your mum. There's just this, for me, whenever I read that, there's this moment of Jesus cementing connection between people that is beyond blood and beyond, do you, do you know what I yeah, mean? It's yeah. just, yeah. and I, for me at the moment, that just feels like we've hmm. got we've to grasp that and do that. Hmm. One of the other things I often say at, at weddings uh, when I take them is I look at everybody who's there in their finery and they're all so excited for this yeah. couple that are uh, getting married on this day. And I look out at them and I say, you are a congregation. And then I follow up by saying, and I know that most of you think that congregation is a bit of an old-fashioned church, religious, you know, yeah. uh, ecclesiastical word for crowd, you know, yeah. you know, audience. Audience, yeah. Yeah. But you're not an audience and you're not a crowd and congregation doesn't mean audience. You're not here to spectate the, this couple exchanging vows and cheer at the end. You're a congregation, which is a rich and deep word for community, interwoven. And this couple cannot survive without your support, your cheering, your celebration, not just on this day when yeah. they make their vows, but on every day when you're there for them, when it's tough for them, when they're not doing so well financially, when one or both are ill, when they're in trouble, when they're struggling with their housing or whatever, yeah. or with one another, you're there for them. Mums and dads and aunts and uncles and friends and cousins and nieces and nephews and, you know, neighbours, workmates, you're there for them. Yeah. You have to be there for them. 
which leads you right back into the story of the wet redwood trees Absolutely. and their survival. That is what marriage is. By the way, that's why I am such a champion of same-sex marriages, you yeah. know, and, and, and marry women to women and men to yeah. men as I marry men to women because I believe in marriage and I believe yeah. in community and I think it's an, an awful crime that we shut anyone out of that that wonderful basic of building community. Yeah, yeah. But we've got to, you know, it's one thing to marry a man to a man or a woman to a woman. It's then another thing to stand by them and support them, Yeah. be there with them. Until we learn that in our local communities or we learn that globally, we're in trouble. If we say we have no peace, it is because we've forgotten that we belong to each other, was Mother Teresa. She was bang on, wasn't she? Bang on. Steve, we've got loads more to say about this, haven't we? I guess we have. There's a lot more to think about. So why don't we carry this on into the next episode? What a good idea. Episode number... Who knows? (laughs) 